From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Save us from the madness. That was Senate Chaplain Barry Black back during the 2013 government shutdown. He was scolding Congress for not taking care of its business in making sure that the government employees could be paid. Barry Black is one of those senior-level staffers in Congress that people don't really see too much of or think too much about, except in moments like that when they break through. But the truth is they're there every day making sure that the business of Congress is tended to. We're kind of in the middle of one of these times of Congress when there's a lot of transitions. There's a lot of departures, a lot of hires. There are some deaths. And in the midst of all this, the business of Congress has to keep going what, regardless of what it may look like. But there's a lot that has to happen to make sure that Congress gets its business done. And people like the chaplains and the sergeants at arms and staff directors and chiefs of staff make sure that that stuff gets done. Ed Pesch, our senior Senate analyst at CQ Roll Call, uh, is a former staffer himself in the United States Senate. And we're going to talk a little bit about how Congress gets its work done and the, and the sort of these unglamorous roles. Sometimes we see them, sometimes we don't, but they're always there. Ed, welcome to Political Theater. Hello, Jason. It's good to be back. Thank you for coming on the show, Ed. I, uh, I, when we were talking about this before we came on the podcast, you had a really nice kind of way of, of, uh, of stating how we could look at some of these people. Why don't you share that, this, uh, this idea that they tend to different parts of the, of the body politic, if you will? Well, as we were talking about the topic, one thing I was thinking is that we have uh, the, the, the senators and the members of the House are basically the front of the House. They, they're there, they're on television, we see them every day. But there are a host of staff that are basically there to take care of them in body, mind, and spirit. And uh, my impression of this is that the sergeant arms are there to basically take care of the body. They're there to make sure that there's a lot of security, uh, things keep going, uh, people know they can come and go as, as they need to. The, uh, the, the chiefs of staff and a lot of other staff, they really take care of the mind, where they're keeping a lot of the legislation going, especially in the Senate with the nominations. And then, of course, there are the House and Senate chaplains, and they are there to really care for the, um, the spiritual uh, health and well-being of the members. And we have a lot of news, it seems, uh, I mean, in, in Congress. I mean, we have uh, several members of Congress who have announced that they're either uh, retiring at the end of the term, like Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, right. or Charlie Dent, who announced that he was retiring and then said this week that he was going to be quitting early. But then we have some, uh, some movement on, at the staff level, too, including with the House chaplain, uh, Father Conroy, who's been in the job since 2011. Right, right. Chaplain... Conroy has been in the, in the position since 2011, as you said. Uh, one thing that I found in my research is that he is one of seven chaplains in the, in the House since just before the beginning of the 19th century. So this the 20th is a, century, sorry. This is a 1900s. Long, yeah, this is a long-tenured position. I it mean, is. And it also speaks to the bipartisan nature of this. It is, a, it is an appointment that the Speaker uh, and the minority leader in, in the House, and also the Senate majority minority leaders in the Senate. They, they make these, these picks sort of, you know, you're not catching your opponent or your, your colleague on the other side of the aisle by surprise when these people are picked, right? And why is that important? It's, I think one of the things that struck me is that it is a nice area where the, in the House, the House Speaker, the Speaker of the House 
and the minority leader can basically get together and discuss who they want to fill this important position. And they essentially get that person in and they, they do elect that individual every, every two years, the beginning of each Congress. In the Senate, it's handled a little differently. As it's, it always is as with As it Senate. always is. They have to have their own way. It's still a bipartisan process, but at least since about the, around the 1940s, 1950s, they would put together a, a panel of five members and they, they sort of vet the options and then make the proposal. And then that individual is, in fact, elected, but once they're in the position, they can stay. So essentially, Chaplain Black isn't going anywhere unless Chaplain Black wants to. Right. And he has been on the job since 2003. Right. Um, and he, it, it's interesting, Father Conroy has, um, you know, in, in the House, he, you know, he, like Chaplain Black, they open up each day of Congress with a prayer or they have somebody else that, that they've picked or that somebody else has like suggested open with a prayer. Uh, but Chaplain Black, as you said, like Father Conroy is leaving. Chaplain Black doesn't appear to have any plans, you know, that we know of at least uh, to, to leave. But Chaplain Black has made a, a lot of uh, news. You know, he, he's very he's rather eloquent and he's inserted himself into uh, sort of the, the, some of the debates of the day and made a lot of headlines. One of the one of the times, you know, we played that clip earlier in, in the podcast uh, that that had Barry Black saying, you know, save us from the madness and sort right. of scolding uh, at the prayer breakfast uh, in, in 2017. He kind of keynoted it and sort of made an allusion to how difficult the political times were. But for me, one of the, the times that has been the most striking was an, an illustration of what a chaplain does um, in, in the Senate, intending, as you said so eloquently, the, the spirit of the, of the members is, took place not even in, in the Capitol itself. Uh, and that's that Barry Black went to uh, Senator Daniel Inouye's uh, deathbed uh, right. when, when he was dying at Walter Reed Hospital, Army Hospital in 2012 and at in a way's memorial service uh, he he talked about what he had learned from in i thought that senator in was indestructible and if i had not been honored to be at his bedside when he died i still would not believe that he is gone for he gave me the great gift of instructive closure. I was with him in Alaska at Senator Stevens' memorial service, and he gave one of the most amazing tributes I, I had ever heard. I made him promise that he would teach me how to speak like that. He said modestly, what do you mean, chaplain? I said, I want your eloquence of diction. I want your brilliance of metaphor. I, I want your poetry of imagination. And uh, he smiled and dismissed my request. So I had the opportunity of reminding him at Walter Reed, that he still had unfinished work to do with me. Please, I still need your help. It, it was just this sort of striking moment to, to know that, like, it's not just for uh, kind of the pomp and circumstance of Congress, that, that you open up the day with a prayer and, and, and preside over memorial services in, the st in Statuary Hall or the Rotunda or the CVC, 
but he's act, he was actually there holding in a way's hand when he died. And it's just, it's this amazing kind of moment, the, this, this, uh, the eloquence, you know, you see the eloquence come, come through uh, with the chaplain, but also it, it speaks to how close some members are with these chaplains. I, I agree 100%. I think that w- one of the things that, that, that struck me is that it's not just a figurehead position. Since 1943, the chaplains have held regular weekly prayer breakfasts on Capitol Hill for members, and that's something that Chaplain Black has continued on a weekly basis, in addition to his responsibility for essentially opening up the Senate with about a one-minute prayer uh, during, before every session. And so uh, Chaplain Conroy in the House, he'll be moving on soon. We don't have a date specific. I think it's in the coming weeks. Uh, and then the, you know, the outgoing speaker, Paul Ryan, who is uh, Roman Catholic himself, uh, will confer with Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, who is also Catholic, right. uh, in selecting another uh, chaplain for the House. And an interesting thing, too, the last two chaplains have been, have been Catholic. Just, it's just kind of interesting to see the list of you know, Presbyterian, Methodist, religion. There's no box that they're checking off saying like, oh, I guess we need a, <laughs> a Seventh-day Adventist, although Barry Black was the very first Seventh-day Adventist chaplain for the Senate. Kind as of well as, I believe, the first African-American chaplain yeah, w- for the Senate. He is, he is. So, so that's the spirit. Let's talk a little bit about the body. Uh, the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms, Frank Larkin, uh, is, is leaving. Uh, he has been in the position since 2015. Right. Uh, we've known that for a while, but earlier uh, this week we found out that his chief of staff, uh, Michael Stenger, is right. going to be succeeding him as the uh, as the Senate Sergeant at Arms. And actually, the Senate has already voted on that. He is the he is the new Sergeant at Arms. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, because both chambers have Sergeants at Arms. Uh, you used to work for the Sergeant at Arms. I did, uh, as in your position as the director many of, the, years. of the periodical press gallery. Uh, that was who your ultimate supervisor was, as well as the American people, of course. Exactly. Uh, but there's a little bit of difference between the two; these two sort of top cops in each chamber, the Senate Sergeant at Arms and the House Sergeant at Arms. They're both considered law enf- the top law enforcement official in each chamber, but their duties differ a little bit. Well, one thing I think that unifies them is that both of them are members of the Capitol Police Board along with the architect of the Capitol. Uh, In the Senate, at least, the Sergeant-at-Arms has not only those law enforcement slash security responsibilities, but they also take care of a lot of the office space, equipment, computer, cyber technology. Uh, They essentially have uh, many responsibilities that go beyond just the basic security to take care of. uh, They'll also weigh in on, say, the food the food that's served in, in the Capitol building. It's almost like they're the city manager for, it, it basically, for the Senate. Basically. I mean, the Sergeant they vested a lot of those responsibilities underneath the Sergeant Arms. In the House, it's a little bit different. So the House Sergeant Arms will, will focus a little more, I think, on security and law enforcement and share some of those more fundamental responsibilities with the chief administrative officer. Right. Uh, so they have to coordinate over on the House side. And given that they have what, four, four more times right. the number in the House? Uh, that, I think that makes sense. It isn't, yeah, it's, it's interesting the layout of it too because in, in the House, the, the chief administrative officer's office is below the speakers, I believe, and the, but the sergeant-at-arms is kind of over by the, the, the south door area. It's, it's, it's kind well, of, we, they're, they're a little, there's a little bit of a remove. Well, we wouldn't want to make any conclusions that it's less important <laughs> position. But no, no, not at all. <laughs> you're right. Real estate is key, especially in the Capitol building. Well, and, and also, so for, you know, people may have never heard of Frank Larkin or Michael Stenger or Paul Irving, who's the House sergeant-at-arms, but they probably have seen them because when... 
the president of the United States comes into the House chamber for his state or her state of the union, uh, maybe at some point, the sergeant at arms, the House sergeant at arms, is the one who announces that this right. is the president of the, you know, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker. You know, the president of the United States. Uh, Paul Irving has has done that for the last few uh, years. Um, and so you you see photos of them, and sometimes you hear them in that capacity. But generally, they're 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 guys who are sort of fade into the background, and only you know because they're they're kind of busy making sure that everything is going okay and everything is safe. And part of that is their backgrounds too, because as we've seen uh, from our research, a lot of them are former Secret Service agents. Right, right. Um, I, uh, Mike Stenger, who will be taking over in the Senate Sergeant Arms Office. He worked for the Secret Service. He also is Larkin's chief of staff, as well as working for Larkin at the Secret Service. Um, on the House side, uh, Bill Levingood also worked in the Secret Service. So there's definitely, it seems, a trend in that law enforcement right. responsibility that they're they're definitely pulling from some veterans of the Secret Service. And it makes sense because, you know, the, the president, the vice president, you know, they make, they seem to be making more frequent trips to the Capitol also were more aware of threats in a particularly, you know, after 9-11. Absolutely. So. There have been big changes in the Capitol, especially since I started in 1990. Now the mind. Our colleague Joe Williams uh, wrote a, a, a very nice profile of Bruce Evans, who is the departing Senate Appropriations Staff Director. It's in Roll Call uh, in, in RollCall.com. And uh, Evans is one of these interesting guys. He's he's been around the Senate since the late '80s. He's worked for a, a sort of this um, this group of very kind of influential senators over the years: Frank Murkowski, right. Slade Gordon, Conrad Burns, and now Thad Cochran, who's who's left. So he's he's leaving. Uh, he's sort of an old hand. And it, it's kind of fascinating. I mean, like these are, these are the people you really don't see. They do not like to be in the press uh, no. so much. Uh, but they, I mean, really with Cochran, because he was so ill for, for so long in the last year, and there were these high-intensity talks over spending, Bruce Evans really stepped in. I mean, he had a lot of work to do as a staff director for the Senate Appropriations Committee. I mean, has done that over the years in other positions too, but he, like, personifies to me the, the type of person who you've never heard of necessarily, but make sure that things will work. One, one of the things that struck me about uh, Joe's article is that as Congress has more difficulty passing individual smaller bills that don't have essentially unanimous agreement by every member of Congress, you're getting these much bigger, bigger uh, appropriation spending bills, budget bills, the tax bill last December. You've got to have staff who have a good feel for how to get that moving, and 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 somebody like uh, Mr. Evans is going to is going to be coordinating with not only his caucuses, chiefs of staff, he's going to be coordinating with the Democrats to try and schedule things and keep things going. And I guess as much of a bipartisan way as he possibly can, but for the most part, they're they're driving the train, trying to keep things moving forward. To strain the metaphor even a little bit more with <laughs> political theater, <laughs> I mean, these are the stagehands. These are the people who make sure that the lights go up at the right time or the curtain goes up. I mean, the actors that we see are the people like Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Paul Ryan and Nancy Pelosi. Those are the people who get the headlines. Those are the people up on stage. But the the, the production goes absolutely nowhere without all these other people who are making sure, again, that literally the lights come on at the right time. Well, my experience when I worked on the Hill, and now that I'm as a reporter, is it's definitely 
I notice that the staff want to be behind the scenes. They want their boss out front and center as though they've done all the work and pushed it. And of course, members of Congress are doing a lot of the work. It doesn't get done without them. But a lot of that support has to go up from these individuals and the chiefs of staffs, as well as the additional staff, to get those things across the finish line when they have to get those must-pass bills done. Well, again, thank you for coming up with that. I mean, that metaphor that I think per- fits perfectly, which is that they tend to the body, mind, and spirit of Congress. And thank you for joining us on Political Theater. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. Was happy to be here. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One. And please take a little time to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, including Joe Williams' story about Bruce Evans and our coverage of Chaplain Conroy, Chaplain Black, and so forth, uh, visit RollCall.com or follow us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening.